Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome, everybody, to the Lakers Legacy Podcast, where if you're in need of refreshments from a whole day of hitting that refresh button, well, the Lakers have signed a ton of guys they'd like you to refresh your memory on. It's a mishmash purple and gold reunion from all parts of the last 12 years, as the Lakers have signed former Laker Kent Bazemore, former Laker Wayne Ellington, former Laker Dwight Howard, and fan favorite Trevor Ariza, who is also a, you guessed it, a former Laker. You know who else is a former Laker now? Alex Caruso. Oh, sad. I am your host, Jonathan Hernandez. I am joined by my guest host of the night, my best friend, McDonald's mogul, 30-plus year Laker season ticket holder, Andy Chang. Andy, welcome back to the show. We are bringing the band back together. How you feeling? I'm uh, I'm shocked, really. This is a, a funny day in Laker history. I can say that. <laughs> it is a funny day. Can I ask you now? How did you let let your son down easily to the news? Your son Nolan and maybe Evan too. Although Evan's a little bit younger, but how did you let Nolan down easily with the news that Alex Caruso, the Caruso goat, the Caruso? He's now a Chicago Bull and no longer a Laker. He is, in fact, a former Laker, not with the Lakers currently. Well, first of all, he, he doesn't care about the Lakers. All <laughs> no, he cares I, was, about... I was hoping you were going you were gonna play play on the bit with me, but go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was is a tough pill to swallow. Just thinking about all the good memories we had with the goat. Um, but hey, you know, you got to make room for the Westbrook show. And uh, hopefully everyone hops on that bandwagon. Indeed. And, you know, Caruso did both of our taxes this year, too. So it's really sad that he's he's gone now. Um, <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay, so we have some breaking news as we uh, start this podcast. Uh, for one thing, Spencer Dinwiddie is nearing a deal with the Washington Wizards. Now, I don't know if this is going to be a sign-in trade sort of deal or if the Wizards even have cap space. That's still to be determined. Here's the biggest blow, though. Free agent forward Otto Porter Jr. has reached an agreement with the Golden State Warriors. Ooh. I was kind of hoping that he was going to fill our wing spot. Um, so we shall see. Uh, it, it, people are saying right now that uh, free the, the deal or the, the signing of Spencer Dinwiddie to the Wizards has to be a sign-in trade because 
the Wizards don't have cap space. So are we part of that? Who knows? I guess we'll find out in a few minutes as we record this podcast. But I will say kind of a blow, at least personally to me, because I had highlighted Otto Porter Jr. as hopefully our starting small forward. I don't know. I know he's a very injury-prone player, but given that he's never been on a team where he had anything to play for, he's still relatively young especially as it pertains to this Lakers team. He would be, I think, the second player under 30 on this team. And obviously a former lotto pick, etc. It was presumed that he was willing to take maybe the mini mid-level. We'll see what his deal is with... Um, oh my god, he's playing for the minimum? With the... Wh- <laughs> what? This is crazy. I guess maybe the Warriors presented him with more of an open opportunity to start because uh we took Baysmore from them and maybe they're and I guess they're not going to re-sign Kelly Oubre so with that said there's Otto Porter Jr. my question to you now Andy is how do you feel about Kelly Oubre becoming a Laker if they do that swap (laughs) and Kelly Oubre comes for the mini MLE that would be amazing if we get Kelly Oubre we got the championship man (laughs) wait are you joking (laughs) I mean I guess it would be wild and fun I, I don't know um yeah, uh, we will continue to monitor this situation. We are off to a uh, yeah wild start on this podcast with these uh, breaking news. Again, this sign-in trade with Spencer Dinwiddie, who knows if uh, this is part of the Westbrook trade and if Kyle Kuzma and or Montrez Harrell gets rerouted to the Nets. Kyle Kuzma as a net. Wow, we'll see. All right, but with that said, um, as it pertains to the Lakers... Obviously, we also have to get to the Russell Westbrook trade because, Andy, I haven't gotten your thoughts. You haven't heard my thoughts. We have talked about Westbrook as a player in the past in different capacities, but never as a Laker. I can assure you that much. So here's where the Lakers currently stand. We've got LeBron James, number one. We've got Anthony Davis, number two. We've got Russell Westbrook, number three. Westbrook makes the most out of those three players. Uh, We've got Marcus Gasol, number four. Trevor Ariza, that's five. Dwight Howard, that's six. Wayne Ellington, that's seven. And then most recently tonight, Kent Bazemore, that's eight. Now, I think we can soft assume that the Lakers will do everything in their power to retain THT, especially after letting Caruso go because of luxury tax reasons, presumably. So let's make that nine Lakers. McKinney can also technically be counted because he's on contract, but he's non-guaranteed, and I expect the Lakers to waive him. So for that reason, let's leave him off. So let's say the Lakers have nine players. They've got the mini MLE left to use and a bunch of vet minimums. I guess you may also soft pencil in Dudley. So let's say Dudley's in, right, just because he's been recruiting all these guys. So that's 10 players. The Lakers still have five players, five roster slots to fill. This does not include their two-way contract spots where they signed Austin Reeves and Joel Ayayi, um, but five roster spots, essentially. Andy, first let me ask you, what were your thoughts to the slew of Lakers signings and the slew of former Lakers signings from different parts of the Lakers' last 12 years? And first off, do you remember who was signed first today? Do I remember who was signed first today? Um, I, don't, I don't remember. Was that Trev? Was that it Trevor? was Trevor Ariza. So when you first saw that, what was your initial reaction? 
I, funny enough, I immediately thought of Kobe for some reason. I was like, sure. oh man, that is like a uh, an old time signing guy. And obviously we replaced him with um, Meta and we won a championship after that. So he left on a championship. Hopefully he comes back to a championship. He left on a championship team as a young guy wanting to spread his wings and fly. He comes back as an old grizzled vet having gone to almost every team in the NBA and never once found that championship ring again. So it's kind of cool that he comes back as a grizzled vet and hopefully he ends his career winning a championship again with the Lakers. The Lakers were the first team when Trevor was first traded to us that gave him a shot and allowed him to actually produce. And he did so on the biggest stage. So it'll be interesting to see if he has enough left in the gas tank. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> to pull one out for us. What are your thoughts just specifically on the guys, you know, how barren this roster is and Trevor Ariza as a fit? How how many minutes do you think he can give us? You don't anticipate him starting, do you? I mean, he does fill in that wing spot that we need because Trevor Ariza, 6'9", versatile wing is out, and obviously KCP. Trevor Ariza is 6'8", 6'9", with a 7'2", wingspan, so he gives us that length. But what are your, what? how do you project his role currently? Yeah, with the the 10 players that we just named off, I don't see him starting. Um, I see him more of a third to fourth guy off the bench, depending on who our our next uh, couple roster spots fill. But um, definitely just kind of that role player, veteran type leader style. I don't know. it's, It's just kind of crazy trying to figure out who can last enough minutes to fill a a 48 minute game true I, i will say with trevor for whatever reason he has been playing starters minutes the last few years even at his age which is bizarre and last year i think he was with the kings for almost half the season and wasn't doing anything until he was traded to the heat so I have some hope that his body will hold up and is at least a little bit rejuvenated. It's going to be tough having to play a full 82 games with a with a new team, but it's good that last year he didn't have to do that. I mean, with Miami, he was averaging 28 minutes a game. That's kind of crazy for how old he is. And then the year before that, granted, he only played 21 games with Portland and then 32 games with Sacramento. With Portland, the t- uh, he was averaging like 33 minutes. Um, so he's been playing a lot. I, I think with this team, like you said, at most, he'll probably play, what, 20 minutes? So hopefully in that limited amount of time, Trevor will be able to put it all out on the floor, leave it all out on the floor, use his wingspan and length to harass people. He is 6'8", six, 6'9", six, so we're going to need his his size to guard any sort of wing because we don't have any defenders right now. Um, and Trevor is a perennial, you know, one steal a guy, one to two steal a guy sort of player. We hope he can bring that to the table. And hopefully his three-point shooting is intact because that's the most important thing we'll need from him. He did shoot 35% with the Heat hitting 1.7 a game. We're hoping for more of the 38%, 40% Trevor Ariza. We'll see. Uh, what were your thoughts on Dwight Howard coming back? Initial thoughts. Were you anticipating it at that point? And then when it actually happened, what did you think? Yeah, I think we were all hearing that, um, you know, a reunion was was on the horizon. I think it, it was a good fit a couple years ago, and it, it was um, something that we needed last year. So hopefully he comes back and 
you know, really never loses a beat, stepping in as that uh, reserve big guy. Yeah, I think we we saw very clearly last year how much we miss Dwight's presence, especially that big man bruising enforcer in the paint. And surprisingly enough, even though Dwight Howard is much older than Trez and even Drummond, Dwight Howard is the more athletic big out of those two guys, right? And the way that Trez and Drummond played was kind of ground-bound, whereas Dwight, we were missing that aerial lob attack, his athleticism that was so crucial for us. So I think that's going to be a much-needed angle for the Lakers this year that hopefully we can return to form in that respect. And also just, you know, he can soak up some big man minutes for Anthony Davis during the regular season. I think that's the most important part, but also the most intangible, the most important intangible part is chemistry, right? With how much it seems like we're flipping this roster and changing the entire identity. I mean, God, Alex Caruso and Kuzma are gone. Um, Bringing back a guy who was part of the championship team in Dwight Howard, who knew what that chemistry was like of that very, you know, beautiful, beautiful Lakers chemistry team on that, you know, the during the 2019-20 season that lasted two years and had, you know, unfortunately the Kobe Memorial in the middle of it. He went through all of that with the guys that mattered the most. So hopefully he can bring that championship aspect and pedigree back to this team, but also just, you know, kind of be the glue guy in terms of chemistry, which we will sorely need putting together a team on the fly. So what are your thoughts then on Wayne Ellington? Former Laker Wayne Ellington. Now, Wayne Ellington was never part of a contending, competitive Lakers team. He was part of those Jeremy Lin teams post um, Kobe's Achilles that were trying to find their way. Um, But, you know, over the most recent years, actually, Wayne Ellington has become a better player as he's gotten older somehow, or at least, you know, a more consistent shooter than he even was when he was with the Lakers. And so why don't you tell me your thoughts on Wayne Ellington and your direct association with him fantasy-wise that you know more closely <laughs> than most people? <laughs> yeah. I mean, he had, a, he had an interesting run last year. Interesting enough for me to pick him up on... Uh, I think it was a waiver move, too. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, he's definitely a very streaky shooter. Um, I, I actually held on to him way too long. I should have just traded him <laughs> off, you know, while he was still hot. But, um, you know, hopefully in reality, he, he gives us uh, a much needed boost in that shooting uh, department just because we've lacked that sorely, you know, the past, well, definitely last year. But um, I feel like every Laker that comes to be a Laker they just they suck at shooting and, and we've kind of seen that trend so i don't have much expectation for wayne ellington especially in the one year that he was with us like you said it was it was a different team different build different expectation but um i'm just not gonna put too much pressure on him because That's i don't feel like he's not gonna i don't feel like he's gonna really do much well, I mean, here's the thing, though. Here's the rub. All these guys are vet minimum guys, and the fact that they're vet minimum guys, there's not a lot of pressure on them as is. There's pressure in terms of the Lakers want to contend and win the championship, but in terms of w- what you're getting at that cheap of a price, literally the lowest you can offer, so far, I think, you know, age notwithstanding, obviously, these are pretty solid, right? So Wayne yeah. Ellington, over that two-week, eight-game stretch in January that you had him, 
hit 40 of 67 from three. That's about, that's five threes a game, knocking down 59.7% from three. Obviously, we're not going to count on him to do that, although it would be great if he had like a weak stretch like that. But overall in the year, he did shoot 42% from three, knocking down 2.5 a game. So at the very least, over the whole span, a larger sample size, you can at least count on him, hopefully, for 1.5 to two threes, high 30s, hopefully low 40s from three, especially because this team sorely needs the spacing help now that they have their big three are guys who are not the best three-point shooters. Let's just put it that way, right? Um, <laughs> So from my end, I love the Wayne Ellington pick. He he is that stopgap shooter that we needed and honestly the first real pure shooter that we've gotten in this free agency pending any other guys we sign like Wes Matthews or whatever. Um, he, is, he is 34 years old, so he's older, but literally the only thing he's going to be asked to do is play solid defense and shoot the ball when he's open. So hopefully he can hit that shot. Um, lastly, at least so far... What are your thoughts on former Laker Kent Bazemore, who sort of fits into that Wayne Ellington role of being a former Laker who wasn't on a contending Lakers team, but the rebuilding Lakers? And so, um, I mean, there was a point where Kent Bazemore was a solid 3 and D sort of wing who could kind of handle the ball and play make. We're kind of far past that um, with the Warriors last year, just because they were so decimated. He was thrust into roles where he had to channel young Kent Bazemore to mixed results. But what are your thoughts on getting Kent Bazemore at this stage of his career and what the Lakers will ask of him? I think it's much like the other guys, you know, the vet minimum guys that you don't really expect too much from just kind of fill a role, a very specific role. Um, hopefully you know he'll he'll get us a string of games where he kind of gets a little hot and, and kind of shoots his way through things but uh, again not too much too much expectation but I, I I've liked Baysmore ever since he left the Lakers I feel like he's he's you know grown in in a lot of ways and even though he is a little older now I feel like he still can be a stable presence in the lineup Mm -hmm. Yeah, Kent Bazemore, just in terms of the tools he has physically, is a versatile player. When he's clicking on all cylinders, he can kind of do everything. He can shoot the three, drive off his own dribble, he can pass, he can rebound, he can steal the ball. That's why you get him in fantasy, right, for those steals and sometimes even uh, sneaky blocks. His best game with the Warriors last season came against a come-from-behind overtime win against the Heat, where he... Scored 26 points, 8 rebounds, 3 assists, 3 steals, and 4 of 7 from 3. Now, do we want to rely on Kent Bazemore to do that every single night? Obviously not, but just the fact that you know he can produce a game like that. And if you watch the tape, he's like crossing guys off the dribble and driving it all the way into the paint. Do we want him doing that on a high-usage team with LeBron and Westbrook? No, we do not. And I guess that's the problem with Bazemore too, right? He's kind of boneheaded in the in the ways that Westbrook can be except you know who the most talent more talented player is and so <laughs> sometimes you question Bazemore's decision making so that's definitely going to be a concern it's like having JaVale McGee's brain in like a wing's body sometimes with with a Bazemore but again when you have him clicking on all cylinders and hopefully with a more controlled role on this team where he falls in line I think you can get the most out of Bazemore and especially Vogel, who in his defensive scheme, you can make use of that seven-foot wingspan. 
you just hope that he's not too much of a space head to like miss his rotations all the time, right? Because you know he can steal the ball, yeah. but how yeah. is he team defense wise? So I guess out of all these like bottom barrel vet min former Lakers signings, how would you rank these guys in terms of how you feel like they'll actually do? And then also for your own personal excitement, is there one guy where you're like, yeah, I actually like really like that signing? I actually really like Dwight coming back. I think he tops my list of the four that we mentioned. Um, I know for a fact that, you know, barring any injury, he'll have a significant role um, no matter how we, we fill those remaining spots. You know, he was a, he was part of the championship core a couple years ago, and I think he kind of slides right into basically the exact role that he filled last time, except maybe he might even start depending on you know how how things go um but you know we'll see I, th- I think there's still a lot of free agency time and Palenka has always surprised us today was a surprisingly kind of mundane day um we didn't see any you know significant trade but but you know we had some solid pickups for the amount of money that we had to spend um so I think you know Dwight definitely checks the box for me. Yeah, I think I'm with you. I Right now, maybe I'll have Ellington at the top just because we needed the shooting. But Dwight is close behind, if not tied. because just, just because you can usually get big men on the market for very cheap. These I mean, Cancer and Drummond are still out there. You know what I'm saying? Um, but in terms of familiarity with the organization, the system, and what he brings as a physical specimen for this team yeah I think you'd put Dwight at the top Ellington and I like Bazemore Ariz is my biggest question mark because I just don't know how much he'll hold up this dude's 36 I like his length obviously but he could break down at any moment uh, Bazemore is actually only 32 so we'll <laughs> see I, I, would you we only would you agree with me that if we're trying to you know play the replacement game that Bazemore and Ellington are sort of the KCP replacement. And actually, maybe it's more Ellington's the KCP replacement and Bazemore and Ariza are sort of the Kuzma replacement. Maybe all three of those kind of coalesce together to try try and replace KCP and Kuzma. Would you agree? To a degree. Yeah, I mean, so, so what you're implying is that we traded... Trez, Kuz, and KCP for Westbrook, Ariza, and Bazemore. <laughs> no, I mean, I mean, I get, I guess, in some sense, it's because we're trying not not implying it, but we're trying to fill those holes that they left to the best of our ability, right? And obviously, we still have that mini MLE, which is our biggest weapon, and potentially a sign-in trade to fill more slots. So maybe these guys that we're talking about are more the Plan B, Plan C guys to fill that spot, and we haven't yet seen the plan A. We don't cuz we don't know what we're using our mini MLE on whether that's Patty Mills or like a, a guy like Rudy Gay or I, I don't we'll, we'll go through some some guys but um for right now this is where it stands and I, I guess a poor man's version of replacing those guys I think we have it structural structurally right. I don't know if we can rely on them for that many minutes but Trevor Ariza, Wayne Ellington, and Kent Bazemore are effectively right now the KCP and Kuzma stop gaps, but we desperately need some youth, and we'll get to that in a bit. So before you go on, 
what is what is your starting five right now with the the ten guys? Right now with this with this unit, uh, I guess I would go with. So LeBron and AD said that they're gonna play the four and the five respectively. So I'm gonna go with that <laughs> and just say Westbrook, Ellington, LeBron, Anthony Davis, and Ariza. <laughs> I don't know, or let's say Ariza or Bazemore, right? But I think Ariza would be the de facto default, like JaVale McGee starter, if you know what I'm saying. I think so, yeah. Would that be your starting lineup too, currently? If if they do play that four and the five, but I think we still we still go with Mark. Um as but, the de facto you know. default JaVale McGee. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But the smarter version. So I kind of so I kind of really like I don't know about you. I like the Dwight Mark tandem of like both are tough and physical but both present way different dynamics of the game, right? Um Gasol provides the spacing and the passing and playmaking smarts. Dwight gives us that athleticism and and kind of bulldozing demeanor down low, as well as a lob threat once again, who can potentially guard pick and roll. I mean, not potentially. He can guard pick and roll way better than Gasol and just move better. Um, so I, I'm interested in seeing how that, that dynamic works. Pending, I hope we get a young big in there as well, because you don't want to be relying on these old guys. Um, so before we take it to break, what are your thoughts on losing Caruso was that kind of unexpected in your eyes and like what will we miss in his absence and how do you think we'll go about filling his role I talked about trying to replace KCP and Kuzma well you add Caruso to that and that's like a pretty big core of our defensive scheme and what we like to do yeah I think losing Caruso that was a big loss for us he was he was um you know, arguably our, our best bench player. And, and sometimes he would have to start last year. But I've, a lot of our struggles last year, I felt, was because he was out um, for, you know, extended periods of time and we really couldn't get him situated in the lineup. So <laughs> losing him definitely was a damper on the day. Um, but, you know, I think it opens a new door for THT. It really kind of mm-hmm. just you know assuming that we resign him it really just shows that we're putting all of our chips in in, in his you know corner so i i really hope he takes advantage of this situation um and hopefully he can fill his shoes in in some of the ways that we'll miss him for next year yeah for sure and i said as much if you listen to the episode before this one because i don't know if i told you Throughout the day, at the start of free agency, I decided to live pod tweet what was going on. So I'd literally just talk about every tweet that would come until I reacted to the Lakers signings or whatever. So I gave my thoughts on Caruso before we found out that the Lakers were passing on him and then obviously after. And it is disappointing, even from like a talent management perspective, not retaining the asset to presumably flip down the line because you'd imagine Caruso would be a pretty attractive trade asset and one that you could use to aggregate in a bigger deal, let's say with THT, if you needed the salary, right? If you're, if he's, I mean, he was like $9 million. So I'm kind of surprised that we didn't even just match that offer just so that we could use him down the line. Now I will say maybe we are going to get a traded players exception for Caruso. That'll be like $9 million that we can slot any player to, but 
I think it can't that can't be aggregated with any other player for the, for a particular period of time. So, but regardless, you know, obviously Caruso means more than what he is as an asset and who he is as a fan favorite because he provided some very tangible things to this Lakers team and kind of was the core identity of our perimeter defense, you know? Uh, Anthony Davis is our core and, and LeBron James are represent the core identity of our, you know, wing and big man defense, but in a large way Caruso was the perimeter enforcer who would literally sacrifice his body, dive on the floor and harass the hell out of primary ball handlers like Booker, Dame, you know, James Harden, etc. Um so yeah, we're definitely going to miss Alex Caruso. And it's going to be interesting to see how uh, the Lakers go about replacing him. Although you kind of already intimated that that's probably going to rest on THT, right? For the most part to replace Caruso. So we know THT can replace Caruso in terms of the primary ball creation, but it's defensively, that's the question mark this upcoming year. If he can, you know, hone that part of his game to be more disciplined, um, Okay, so let's take it to break. When we get back, let's just talk about this roster, what it still needs, if there are any guys that you're looking at, and I'll throw some names out at you. And then we'll we'll close the episode talking about Russell Westbrook because we still haven't yet <laughs> talked about Russell Westbrook. So we'll take it to break, and then we will catch you guys after the turn. Attention listeners across the galaxy. All the way from Australia to Houston, do we have a pube problem? If so, our friends at Manscaped have cleared you for takeoff with their fourth generation and brand new Lawnmower 4.0. Kick your pubes to the next planet with the Performance Package 4.0. The orbits in your pants will feel like you're in zero gravity when you use the best tools for the job from the leaders in male grooming. So join the 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped and get your rocket ready for takeoff by going to manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping with the code FANSIDED20. So do you guys remember that one time I told you about that one white stray hair I had down there that almost made me pull a hip muscle after I pulled it? No? Well, there you go. And also, that's the last time you'll ever hear about any such hairy situation for me again. Because ever since I started using Manscaped, the white stray hair snipping process for me has been much smoother than ever. So are you ready for an out-of-world experience, fellas? Look no further than the Performance Package 4.0 from Manscaped that has just taken off in not only the USA, but Canada, the UK, across Europe, Australia, South Africa, and Singapore. Inside this package, you'll find their Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, Weed Whacker ear and nose hair trimmer, Crop Preserver ball deodorant, Crop Reviver toner, Performance boxer briefs, and a travel bag to hold your whole solar system. Abort Harry Balls and Buzz Lightyear that Woody with Manscaped. Man, did I write this? I don't know. Anyways, get 20% off plus free shipping with the code FANSIDED20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off plus free shipping with the code FANSIDED20 at manscaped.com. For a clean trinity and beyond, your space balls will thank you. Alright, so we're back. Andy, off the top of your head, are there any guys that you're hoping to replace Caruso with? So, as a template, Caruso is this well, combo guard who's like lanky, not lanky necessarily, but like tall, physical, um, 
pretty much like a Tony Allen type, right? Um, Frank Tilakina is a free agent. I don't know if he's experienced enough, but he's sort of that mold. Um, Dante Exum is obviously doesn't have the experience, but he is lanky. If you're looking for like a galaxy brain type gamble or flyer, but there's also a guy like a Justice Winslow, obviously been injury prone and obviously doesn't have the experience. But if you're looking for physical clay to maybe turn into a defender, and he also has some playmaking primary creation abilities, there's Justice Winslow. Stanley Johnson's kind of like a tier below that, but kind of the same idea. Do any of those guys pique your interest? And then do you have any guys you have in mind? Um, you know, Justice Winslow, he's always kind of been a talented guy, just like you alluded to, never can stay on the floor. Um, so, yeah, why not? Let's just try him out and see if it works. <laughs> but, <laughs> I mean, it, it's 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 just so difficult to look at the guys who are available with the little money that we have. I think, you know, hopefully Polinka is looking at trade routes and things that can be more creative to actually bring, you know, greater talent to the lineup. Um, I don't know if we can survive if we just fill out the roster with, you know, guys like those people that you just named. Um, the geriatric I, expendable screw? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I mean, if we'd, I'd picture us stumbling through the finish line, maybe to a seventh or eighth spot, and then again, just kind of getting riddled with injuries throughout the season and into the playoffs. So this current make and model that we have, I don't think is sustainable. Um we just really have to rely on luck to get us there. But hopefully Palinka's getting creative behind doors and whipping up something magical behind the scenes. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you. I think we're our mar- we're playing with fire here, especially after the year that we just had, which was so injury-laden, to come back with a roster and be like, yeah, these guys are 60-40 about to get injured yet at any moment. You know what I mean? But I think, and I'm hoping that what we see in this flurry of early signings is more of the structural side ancillary backbone of the Lakers and not like its full core, although you struggle to envision like, okay, well, they only have $6 million and then vet minimums to make up that full core. So I do agree that hopefully it comes in the form of a Dennis Schroeder type sign and trade, whether that's for Buddy Heald or another at least guy with young, fresh legs. Because currently on this roster... THT is literally the only sub-30 player right now. You know, he's not even signed yet. <laughs> we don't currently have a player below 30 years old. In fact, we have four players who are 36 years old and above once Dwight turns 36 in like a month or so. That hasn't happened since LeBron's 2016-17 Cavs, and that team didn't win the championship. So... I agree with you. I hope I'm hoping for some fresher, younger legs, and I actually do have a slew of guys that we could that I could throw out that are more like, in lieu of losing young, young quote unquote, young core guys like Kuzma, KCP, and Caruso. Here are some guys that maybe we can take a flyer on, and you tell me if any of these guys pique your interest. This is like youth infusion, okay? Provided that, let's say Palenka doesn't have something creative up his sleeve, right? 
and it's all just like we got to make do with our with our vet minimum. So here are some young guys with fresh legs that may be able to help. Malik Monk. Now this is a long shot because I think he might get paid more by another team looking to take a flyer on him, but I think that guy would be at the top of my list in terms of a flyer for a young dude. So we got Malik Monk. We got former Laker Moritz Wagner, who is doing really well with Germany right now in the Olympics, but fits the theme of the former Laker thing going on, but also only 25 years old, right? It can give can be that sort of stretch big. Then we got 23-year-old Tony Bradley, who played with Dwight Howard on the Sixers. I really like his length. I think he has like a 7'3 wingspan. He's sort of just uh, another insurance big, but a young one with potentially upside. Then we've got Harry Giles. You know, former lotto pick, uh, showed some promise, has been injured though. Um, But who knows? Maybe you can unlock something there just with the physical tools that he has. And then I I mentioned it. Nilakina, Winslow, Stanley Johnson, Dante Exum. And I don't know if you remember, if you know this guy, Isaiah Hardenstein from the Cavs last year. He had some stretches where he actually did some good stuff. He's seven foot with like a seven foot two wingspan, kind of versatile as a big. But yeah, he's another guy who could be a young guy with fresh legs that may have some potential for 10 to 15 minutes off the bench and just to soak up minutes so our guys don't drag their asses across the finish line. So do any of those guys stand out to you? Yeah, I really like Malik Monk. I feel like he fits the shooter uh, need pretty well. Young guy. He's um, had a couple games from what I can remember where he shot the lights out. Um, so I would definitely try to get that guy if, if we can afford him, but I don't think we can. So let's take Malik Monk off just because I asterisked him as more of a guy if he'll take that low of a contract because I think some team will like give him more money than we can give him and probably opportunity so we've got Mo Wagner Tony Bradley Harry Giles Isaiah Hardenstein Nilakina Winslow Stanley Johnson Exum yeah it's just it's not a fun bucket to play with but we need some young guys uh, so yeah I like your poison I like Isaiah I'm gonna go with Isaiah Um, he had some I watched a couple games with him on the Cavs, and I feel like he can do stuff. Um, but it's not going to last very long. <laughs> it's, it's very stretchy. Um, I don't. I don't really see him breaking through as like a, you know, as even a sixth man. It would really have to be kind of, you know, later on the bench. But I think he could have a role. Yeah, I think out of these guys, he probably has the most well-rounded, versatile game. And in terms of being like a big who can potentially... I don't think he can stretch the floor necessarily, but he can hit a jump shot and he can pass. And Yeah, so we'll see. I like Isaiah Hardenstein too. I think right now I'd probably have it at... Mo Wagner, Tony Bradley, Harry Giles, and Hardenstein are sort of like my rotation of guys I'm looking at just as fresh legs. Maybe Harry Giles, just because he's the most athletic. But we'll see. One of these guys, Lakers just picked them up as insurance to have a young guy on on the floor. Um, Lastly, let's just talk about, I mean, it's like you mentioned, it's hard to envision what the Lakers are sort of doing because their first initial signings here could just be the back-end side structure of this team. But... And I guess this can, you know, transition into our Westbrook talk. But what do you think the Lakers are going for here? What is, like, the new identity of this team? 
I it's at this point I'm so confused because definitely <laughs> definitely this is not what LeBron had envisioned as like a this is the team that we need to bounce back from what we what happened last year. Um you know, it was clear that injuries destroyed, you know, an entire flow of the season. We couldn't get the guys that we wanted on the floor. And then finally, when we did, it was just, you know, kind of too late. Um, and at that point, we really didn't build any chemistry. So with this current lineup, I feel like we're going to run into the exact same problem. And I don't think it's sustainable at all, especially if we're going back to 82 games uh, for next year. So it's I'm, I'm guessing, though, we're making a push for a significant impact player shooter then the then this lineup makes a little more sense you know you you have roles played out uh, we still don't really have that guy to to replace alex's um defense on the wing because every every team kind of needs that wing defender these days so hopefully it's it's an effective shooter who can play some d um but yeah right now it's it's just it's a head scratcher i don't know what I, I i can't imagine lebron sitting there like yes this is the team that i had wanted well as you know lebron signs off on most things and he signed off on the westbrook thing so he yes. had to have known this is what you get when you trade for westbrook and yes. you're left with minimums now again i mentioned these are solid guys for vet minimum contracts it's it's just the fact that Westbrook takes up most of your salary and all you have to play with is vet minimum so this is more of the same geriatric type of crew but what are your thoughts on Danny Green and Wes Matthews do they become more important to fill out this roster even though they are of that old ilk but in terms of continuing to add shooting and defense are they important and then also what are your thoughts on bringing back Markeith Morris at this point yeah, sadly, I think Danny Green makes a lot of sense right now, um, <laughs> just because of you know his impact that he played a couple years ago. He he started almost every game for us, and you know he was he was a he was an impact player, like it or not. Maybe he didn't hit the timely shots that we needed, um, but he was a solid stable guy that we could rely on and i feel like that's the kind of guy that needs to fill out the rest of this roster i actually wouldn't mind both west math and danny coming back just to conjure up and call up that chemistry even though i know they're from both two different years um but they essentially provide the same three and d prototype and hopefully if one or both of them are banged up in the season, they can sort of make a whole player. This is what this team is becoming. It's like you got to get two players to essentially make one because you know that one of the one or one of them two is going to be injured for half the season. Hopefully not, right? So, lastly, what are your thoughts on Rudy Gay? Now, Carmelo was out there too, but I think you and I would both agree Rudy Gay is probably the better fit. But what are your thoughts on Rudy Gay to sort of fill that? Like, all right, he is the older version of Kuzma, but essentially the Kuzma role. Yeah, I think he would fit wonderfully in the team. Um, obviously, he's he's a ring chaser at this point, not the same guy that we used to play on uh, NBA Two K. <laughs> but um, <laughs> he's he's still a he's still a solid guy who can put up numbers on a on a nightly basis. He still has a defensive um, 
you know, game that, that he can sometimes, if he turns it on, he can shut down people for a little period of time. Um, but that wingspan is, you know, that's not shrinking either. So it, he can still make an impact in the game. And if I feel like we got him, it would greatly, you know, increase the, the off-season grade that we've gotten so far. Mm-hmm. And you'd feel more comfortable. I I would feel more comfortable because especially now that we lost Otto Porter Jr., I'm like, wait, we need a wing. We need a wing who can shoot and is a little bit versatile, and it can't be Trevor Ariza. So Rudy Gay with a seven foot three wingspan, who I feel like his career has been sort of rejuvenated in San Antonio, right? And yeah. I, I swear to God, he can still throw down a nasty poster. Look up. Rudy Gay poster jam on the Raptors. This dude's still tomahawking like there's no tomorrow. And presumably with the Lakers, he'd actually still play limited minutes like he did in San Antonio where you're not relying on him for 30-plus minutes. It's more like 22 to 25 potentially. So Rudy Gay, please come on down. Fulfill that prophecy. Um, all right. Well, I, mean, I think it's it's kind of pointless at this juncture to continue thinking about what happens because it could be outdated by the time we put this out. So, I mean, we, we threw out a bunch of names. Those are the guys that we're looking at, including some young dudes. Um, let's, let's close the show talking about uh, Russell Westbrook. The big reason why we're at in this position of trying to <laughs> ragtag on the fly, mishmash, put a team together that kind of reminds you of the anthony davis year when we were waiting on Kawhi leonard and then by the time Kawhi passed we're like oh shoot we got to put together a roster guys and you're just picking whoever was left right although this year it's happening earlier at the start of free agency in terms of like the minimum guys but in a lot of senses it's the same way in terms of a roster overhaul right after the anthony davis trade roster overhaul entirely new team entirely new identity and that's where we're currently at we're trying to patch it up with former Lakers and hoping the chemistry sort of seeps through. Uh, we'll see how that goes. But yeah, what were your thoughts when the Russell Westbrook trade went down? I We already did our reaction podcast and I'll give you my thoughts. But I think initially it was not even in my stratosphere of thought, even though that name was floating around just because I was like, this guy makes way too much money. He's much maligned across the league at this point as not being a winning player. Every stop he's been on, it seems like he's... Maybe not been the problem, but surely a big part of the problem. So there's no way the Lakers would trade for this guy, right? <laughs> and they did. And personally, I felt like they probably gave up more than was necessary considering we took him off of Washington's hands and like took that bloated contract off. But having said that, he does have a player option for next year. He may or may not take that. It's only two years at the most. Hopefully we don't give him like a five-year extension if he opts out next year. But having said that, Russell Westbrook has never been the third guy on a team. He technically has when he was with OKC, but at that point in their careers, he had the mentality of being a number one guy or a number two guy. And I guess you could say everywhere he's gone, he's had the mentality of being the number one guy, and that's his main problem. But on a team with Anthony Davis and LeBron James, he is very surely the the number three guy, and presumably... And it's been reported that he has talked to both LeBron James and Anthony Davis. But having all those caveats in play, what were your thoughts on Russell Westbrook and and this new look big three for the Lakers? For better or worse, my initial reaction was just a jaw drop. You know, my jaw literally just dropped. And I said, (laughs) wow, kind of thing. And I think we, we had kind of texted and 
just kind of laughing like haha this is kind of crazy you know <laughs> like is this is this really happening um and so you know i you kind of just think about how did this even how did this even play out how did we get here and you 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 talked about the the reports so if you believe that one it's just kind of like okay well they all they all got together at lebron's house and they had tacos on a tuesday or something and we're like, yeah, hey, that's a good idea. Let's just try that. <laughs> and then so LeBron calls Palinka. Hey, I want you to make this happen. Palinka's probably like, what the heck is going on? How could you leave me with no money in a, you know, in the off season? So if you believe that story, which you know, for most probably will believe, um, you can't really put this. If you think this is a negative on us, you can't really put this on Palinka. As you said, LeBron signs off and everything, right? So, um, it's it's he, LeBron is not a stupid guy, and he he must right. have crunched the numbers to know that we would be in this situation and to know that we would have very little to play with. So that you know just makes me believe that we have to have some other plan in play. This can't be it because th- there's no way this is the move and that's it and then we just kind of fill the roster because um we're not gonna win (laughs) okay so for the purposes of this podcast though we have let's assume that this is the main play because in a large part it is it is what are your thoughts on the big three of westbrook lebron james and anthony davis and can i tell you i'm actually a little surprised of myself that i have quickly mind melded myself to a place where you I think you'd have to agree with me regardless of whether or not we think it's like potentially bad or good it's like a part of you is just like so maddeningly intrigued by it because oh, you're like sure. this is whack wackadoo but it might it's so crazy it, might, it might work, work. and yes. here well on one, here's how I've sort of come around to Westbrook Previously, as you know, Westbrook is like, I, I hate watching this guy play. Yes. I cannot stand watching <laughs> this guy play. Like, I see him throw up a jump shot, and it's like the ugliest brick I've ever seen. Why would you do that, you know? <laughs> there, there was a period where I was just like, I'd take John Wall over Westbrook every single day. Obviously, not anymore. Wall is terribly injured, probably done. But Westbrook, infuriating player, right? A guy who thinks he's Kobe, but with, doesn't have the skill to be Kobe, right? The guy who gets triple doubles and he gets a lot of assists and you're like, he passes, right? No, he's a selfish passer. The reason why he gets assists is because <laughs> nobody else gets the ball, right? So a lot of those things obviously concern me. But the, the way that I've been able to come around to Westbrook, especially with his fit with LeBron James and Anthony Davis is, I saw Dennis Schroeder last year play for this team. <laughs> and I told myself, it can't get any worse than Dennis Schroeder. It really can't. And Westbrook is actually the souped-up version of Schroeder with a little bit of Rondo put, put in him. Are we going to be frustrated as hell? And are there going to be times where it's going to combust in our face? Absolutely. But at least it's not a combust, not going to combust in our face the way it has with Dennis Schroeder, where he doesn't have a shot at the rim, but he goes to the rim anyways and throws up a wild shot, looking for a foul, palms up, and the other team is going down the other way. And he's, Dennis Schroeder is going to fool you by diving on the court and all this stuff. I don't care. I, did, I really hated the Dennis Schroeder <laughs> experience, so much so that I'm like, 
Russell Westbrook, welcome sight. Let's do this dunk on everybody. And last year, he had a very uneven season with the Wizards. I think half of the year, he was injured and banged up still. But when you saw him come around physically, that's when the Wizards kind of made their push to get into the playing games. And that's when Westbrook was going, you know, triple-double madness like he typically does, right? Alongside Bradley Beal. So I guess what are some positives that you that you see from Westbrook in the if we're looking at the glass half full side of things possibly working? I think another angle for me is the fact that look, we're old for sure, but in terms of being a physically imposing team, how buff are we? Can you think of another starting unit that could have Anthony Davis, LeBron James, Dwight Howard and Russell Westbrook there? Is it going to be clunky as heck on offense? Absolutely. But in terms of just the fear, force, and physicality, that's kind of a scary team. And I feel like we're going that direction again. If, if there was ever any identity for this, this team, it's like, yo, smash, we're back to smash mouth basketball. Yeah. Yeah. There's, you know, there's a lot of good in this trade. I've personally never hated him. The way that you hate him i've always liked him you know being a ucla product i i like ucla guys um russell westbrook's an mvp you know i think we forget that sometimes and we always go ahead we always build that story that he's you know a selfish guy he's always a stat chaser but when you i feel like when we hear the teammates being interviewed past and present they always say good things about him and they always say he's you know he's such a great leader on and off the floor he's such a good community guy and i know that we're not going into that but i feel like there's no, we, so we much take it into account yeah i feel like there's so much positive that russell westbrook brings especially because he's so hungry you know he's he doesn't have that championship yet to put on his resume really that's the only thing that he's missing he's a perennial all-star and this guy is he i think we forget how fearsome he was during his mvp season and even you know the the year surrounding that he was a guy that you didn't want to see you know playing against you and, and you definitely didn't want to rub the wrong way because he had that killer instinct mentality so i think he brings all of that to the lakers and and um <laughs> You know, something that we needed last year was that physical presence that you mentioned. So hopefully, you know, he steps up, fills a role. Obviously, he's going to be a leader on the floor. Um, but most importantly, you know, that that hunger and that chase for that ring, I think he's going to drive him um, hopefully to a place that we haven't even seen Westbrook. And we've seen guys transition into into better shooters throughout the season or throughout their career, mm-hmm. sorry. So I don't, I'm not completely giving up on him as a three-point shooter or shooting in general. Um, I think he understands at this point the flaws in his game and how people kind of, you know, expose him in certain areas. So with LeBron's help, with AD's help, I think this big three is a legit big three. Well, also, and this is something we've been talking about, he's never played with a big man like Anthony Davis. And given he was giving easy buckets to guys like Robin Lopez and Alex Len last year, (laughs) talk to me about how how excited you are to potentially see Russell Westbrook unlocked even as a playmaker and now as a finisher having Anthony Davis as a safety valve for him. 
Yeah, it's crazy. We, I mean, obviously he played with Durant and and Harden, but you know, not not a guy like AD in 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 that offensive scheme. So, I think it's going to be surprising what we what we see from him. We wanted to see that pick and roll action with um, Schroeder last year. It didn't really work out. Obviously, we're gonna. <laughs> obviously, we're gonna have different expectations going in with Westbrook, um, and it's still kind of unclear mentally, like how that will play out on the floor, just because of all the scarring memories of Schroeder from last year. <laughs> but, but we'll see. I feel like you know he's a smart enough guy on the court to figure things out and and make things work with with AD. I think how it's going to work is it's because the guy who's running the pick and roll is Russell Westbrook and not Dennis Schroeder. Dennis Schroeder, whenever he ran pick and roll, he only wanted to do one thing, and that was try and score the ball, which he didn't do a very good job of. Russell Westbrook, even if he wants to only score the ball, will do a much better job at finishing at the rim or getting a foul call than Dennis Schroeder. And on top of it, he is more of a willing passer, especially in pick and roll. How else does he always average like 11 assists, right? And get easy buckets for the likes of Steven Adams, Alex Len, Rui Hachimura, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm excited to see him now have an aerial angle that he can lob one up to, you know, lob it up to like Anthony Davis or even Dwight Howard, you know? So, so the what, like, look, we're going to see some massive bricks for sure. But is Staples Center going to be rocking when these dudes are dunking the hell out of the ball? Can you imagine that? Because you know they're going to go on runs, right? Where they're just going in transition. And it's like, LeBron James, Tomahawk. (laughs) Russell Westbrook, Tomahawk. Okay, Anthony Davis, alley-oop. Dwight Howard, poster, putback. I mean, you can see that in your head, right? Where it's just like, Mm -hmm. whoa. At a certain point, that is kind of psychologically fatiguing for the other team to have so much force put on the rim and so much physical presence right so that's the one thing i hope that we i mean very clearly it seems like we're leaning into that but like health provided which is the most important part to our big three if they can be that driving force of just pushing people around and exerting that force at the rim i feel like we could really demoralize teams pretty quickly because three-pointers are nice, and you and I both, we love shooting three-pointers, but at the end of the day, when you actually have to play basketball and you're in the midst of a war with these dudes who keep dunking on you, I mean, that takes a toll. You know what I mean? Does, like, what are your yeah. thoughts on just that angle? Yeah, I, I completely agree. I think through the regular season, you need that toughness. You need that physicality. It, it, it'll get you a long way. Um, and, and, you know, just with the crowds back, I think probably next season it's gonna be rocking as you said it's gonna be showtime lakers i think again even with a bunch of old guys um (laughs) but it's the playoffs that's that's where you need the shooting that's where it's gonna get you know iffy with the roster that we have but you know i think we it's so early in the season and we always we always get a couple guys at the deadline if we're in contention so you know, it's so hard to think that far down the line, and we just need to get healthy enough to get to that point, and then I think we can really start thinking about a championship. Yeah, I think this is going to be one of the wildest, wackiest experiments in Lakers history. 
do we go down the path of now this is going to be fun again or is this going to be the alternate timeline where that actually worked you know what i mean <laughs> it's going to rest on chemistry that team was did not have great chemistry obviously you you feel assured with guys like lebron james anthony davis the fact that russell westbrook is such a competitor um, veteran guys like Trevor Ariza, Dwight, etc. But we're going to have to see it all come together. And Palinka still has a lot of work to do. So I think we'll just leave it at that. The one thing I'll leave you with, and you were talking about Russell Westbrook, him being a hometown kid, Trevor Ariza coming back. We talked about that story. Um, I don't want to go this direction necessarily because it's always a little bit awkward to bring up Kobe Bryant's name. But we've sort of lacked that spirit and fierceness and I feel like Russell Westbrook can almost embody that I'm not saying LeBron isn't fierce but he just has a different style of leadership and we already know Anthony Davis has a different way of going about things especially because he's still young and coming up and finding himself Russell Westbrook is probably the closest thing to a guy who embodies Kobe's ferocity and competitive spirit and I'm very intrigued at how that can help push us through, you know, game 47 in the regular season when everybody's tired and we're like, I don't know about this. And Westbrook's like, shut up, get up, we're doing this. You know what I mean? So it's going to be fun. It's going to be wild. It's going to look ugly, but it's definitely not going to be boring. I'll tell you that <laughs> much. <laughs> All right, with that said, thank you for listening. More free agency to come, and we'll see how this roster rounds out and you know how this all makes sense once we see the bigger picture. But for now, Westbrook, LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and the slew of former Laker middle-aged men. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Andy, thank you, for, thank you for joining us, and uh, we'll catch you at some point before the season starts, I'm sure. Thank you so much. I love jumping on the pod. We'll see you when the season starts. All right. Thank you. Laters. Mm-hmm.